what do you see? You know, for me, I love this time of year. It's the best time of year for me. I love going to the store. I love buying presents and giving them to people to watch expressions on their face. Now, I know some of you are like, yeah, but I like it when they bring me presents. I got it. I get it. That's cool. Anybody like that? Okay. We're all reserved at church again. Hey, listen, man, it's that time of year, a happy time of year, a great time of year. You guys excited? I mean, God's gift to me this year is the weather. Hallelujah. I feel like I live in Florida again. Yes, it's great. But this is an exciting time of year. And, uh, you know, it's just the holidays, the decorations, all of it. I love, and I, I know I'm a little weird about that. But, but I love that part of it, you know, and, you know, Marla and I were talking the other day, you know, when uh, our grandchild gets a little older, he's not born yet, March, uh, but and when he gets a little older, man, it is going to be cool. I am going to hire snow machines in to make it snow just at my house. Just kidding. Uh, but, you know, it's the excitement. It's the things that go on this time of year. But also for some, it's very depressing. It's very lonely. Maybe their loved one has passed. Maybe they're getting ready to experience Christmas without the family that they once had. So Christmas means so much to so many people, so different. But today I want to take you, as we continue this journey that we started last week, and I want to take you on a journey with generosity. A journey with generosity. Now, I want to take you back some 5,776 miles away from Elkton, Maryland. I want to take you to a town called Nazareth. And then I want you to go back 2,000 and some years the way things used to be. Different. No TV. No Hallmark, thank God. No crying, sappy Christmas music. Movies, I mean. I want you to go there with me to another generation, to another time. And I want us to look at the journey and the generosity that happened. You know, the Jews were living at this time in Judea. It was greatly oppressed. Israel had disobeyed God and they were in total chaos and despair. And thus... God had not spoken to the children of Israel for 400 years. Not a word from God, not a sound from God, not a prophet from God. 400 years of silence. Then all of a sudden, the silence is broken. And we pick up the story today in Luke chapter 1. And Luke chapter 1 in verses 26. And it says this, in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph uh, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, that thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled. At his sayings, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Let me explain that to you. So Mary is in her house. She's going about her daily 
jobs or activities. She's probably washing the dishes, vacuuming the dirty floor or sweeping it, whatever they did back then. You know, and she's straightening things up. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an angel appears, and it's Gabriel. And he says, oh, excuse me. Um, God told me to come see you, and he told me to tell you you are highly favored. Now, I don't know about you. Somebody just pops in from nowhere. I'm freaked out. I'm running. I'm serious. when, When you come in this building late at night, and it's dark outside. Only happens when it's dark. You hear noises in this building. You th- Pastor Tim will tell you, I'm out of here as fast as I can get out of here. If Gabriel shows up here for me, I'm gone. Leave the note, Gabriel. I'll pick it up Monday morning. You know what I mean? But that's what happens. Mary's in this house, and she's doing about a thing, and Gabriel shows up. He says, oh, hey, hey, Mary. You got a second? Listen, I want to tell you this. God says you're highly favored. And you know what, Mary? And when she saw him, she was troubled. She was scared at his sayings. Cast in her mind what matter of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary. So she was scared. Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. God loves you, Mary. God looks at you. God sees you from where you're at. He's found favor with you. And the angel said unto her, Fear not. Man, that is so cool. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but Mary's in her house. She's all alone. And you got to understand, Mary's poor. She's not wealthy. She doesn't have a lot of money. She doesn't have the riches in the bank. She's poor. And an angel comes to her. Mary, you're highly favored. You're going to have a baby. He should be great. I should be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there should be no end. Mary hears all this. Then she goes, then Mary said unto the angel, how how this be? How's this going to happen? I know not a man. I'm not married. I've never had any relations with a man. How in the world is this going to happen? Here's the cool thing. And the angel answered her and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The angel says, listen, Mary, you may think this is crazy that you're going to give birth to a child. But listen, even your cousin Elizabeth, who is old, she's an old lady. She's barren. She doesn't have, she's not able to have children. She's even going to give birth to a child. And Mary's sitting there. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me, come back in two weeks after I pray about this, and I'll see if this is what God wants. Right? Please come back. I have to pray about that. If God wants me to do it, I'll be glad to do it for Jesus. 
Now, you know what Mary said? Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary said this. Mary said, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. Listen, that day, Mary's journey in her life changed forever. Here's a lady that was engaged to be married to a guy by the name of Joseph. An angel shows up at her house. Says, listen, you're going to bring forth the son of God. The one that was prophesied from old. You're going to be the one that's going to carry it. Not a, you're not going to be rich. You're not going to be a prince. or I mean, a princess. You're not going to live in a palace. I'm going to let the Savior of the world be born unto a poor person. you got to think. Mary left that house that day. She went to her uh, cousin Elizabeth's house and said, you know, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Something strange is happening here. And the Bible says, if you read further, that the baby that Elizabeth was carrying leaped in her womb. But she saw Mary and she spoke to her. Mary, she was thrilled. But you have to understand this. It wasn't as simple as that. Mary probably had a lot of dreams, a lot of plans, a lot of expectations for her and Joseph. To one day probably live in a fancy house. Joseph was going to be this cool carpenter. His father probably taught him all that he needed to know. And he was going to do all these things. And she was going to be a great, great wife to Joseph and raise a great family. But all of her dreams and all of her plans were changed in an instant. When the angel Gabriel showed up. Everything went by the wayside. She accepted the journey that God was going to put her on. She leaves her cousin's house. She goes back to tell Joseph all the excitement that was happening in her life. And she goes, Joseph, you would not believe what happened. This angel came to me and he said, you know, that I know, I know you're poor, but you know, you're going to have a baby and his name is going to be called Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, Joseph. I'm going to carry the Christ child. And I can see Joseph now going, oh, what has Mary been drinking? What has happened? I said to Mary, Mary, I know you need to sit down for a little bit. How can this be, Mary? And she explains it all to him again. Joseph, in his mind, he's going, wait a minute. The culture of our day is if people find out you're expecting, they're going to kill you. You can't be seen in public. You have to go into hiding. And Joseph probably leaves her house so frustrated. He goes home. He's probably thinking in his mind, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Mary, has, she's messed up in her life. You know, this cannot be of God. Cannot be. God hasn't told me this. All the frustration, the anxiety he goes through. He's probably wore himself out and he lays down and Joseph takes a nap. And the same angel that showed up to Mary comes to Joseph in a dream. He says, Joseph, Mary's right. Mary's correct. Mary's going to give birth to the Christ child. And you will be his earthly father. And Mary is going to be blessed. And so shall he. And so shall you. Joseph wakes up out of that sleep. He goes, 
did this just happen to me again? And probably the excitement that filled his life, he ran to Mary. He said, Mary, Mary, the angel came to me. He told me the same thing. And Mary and Joseph were not supernatural people. They weren't superhuman. They had to place their faith in God. God saw two willing people. Think about this. To have the honor of being selected to give birth as a woman to the Christ child. And number two, to be his earthly father. Mary, the mother of the promised one. People have asked over the centuries of time, why is it so important that it had to be a virgin birth? You say a virgin birth, why a virgin birth? Because of this, because if it wasn't a virgin birth and it was between a man and a woman to give birth to a child, the child would be no different than you and I, be born with a sin nature. Jesus was born perfect. The birth had to come from a virgin woman who had never been with a man, therefore, It is the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit that formed the child in the womb of the virgin. And his name was called Jesus. Mary and Joseph knew the many prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. And now these prophecies included them. Can you imagine your whole world today being shaken and uprooted because of what God wants you to do? You see, I made a little joke when I read that scripture and I said, yeah, Mary said, I'll get back to you in two weeks after I pray about it. Because in our civilized world, that's how we look at things. When God brings opportunities at our door, you know what we say? Let me pray about it, brother. You know what that tells me? People most likely mean, let me get out of here as fast as I can. And then you go back to them, hey, were you able to pray about that? You know, let me pray a little longer. You see, back then, there wasn't the things that sidetracked us. There wasn't the things that got in our way of serving God back then. You know what? It was a fear to serve God because he was such a great God, such an awesome, not a scared fear, but a good fear. Today, we live in a modern culture, and I like everything about it. I like my microwave. I like my TV. I like my car. I like all those things. But when they get in the way of us serving God, God help us. Because the journey that God has set you on is a journey picked for you and your life. No one else's journey. It's just for you. And God will bring things along in your life for you to get on the journey. You have to get on his journey. God wants you. God needs you. Mary and Joseph were faced with great difficulties on their journey. This guy by the name of Caesar Augustus, ruler of the world, He had conquered nation after nation, and they had fallen victim to the Roman rule and the Roman army. One of those nations was Syria, and one of the provinces of Syria was Judah, the home of the Jews of the nation of Israel. Israel had long been robbed, their wealth had been taken, and their power had been taken. Citizens had been taxed heavily to support the Roman government, and to fill the pockets of the governors and rulers of Rome. This was the atmosphere of the world back then. Deep oppression. And this guy, Caesar Augustus, this is what he says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. 
Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. And it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. You know what that means? That means wherever you grew up, you had to go back to the city of your birth and pay your taxes. They took a census. They wanted to count everybody. They wanted to know where everybody was at. They wanted to know everything about everybody. So they knew how much to tax you and to steal from you and to rob you. Joseph, he's in Nazareth. Wait a minute. I got to go all the way back to Bethlehem? Remember, they lived in Nazareth. How, How were they going to get to Bethlehem? Well, what they did, they picked up the phone and called the uh, local taxi cab company, and they gave them 50 bucks, and they took them across the desert, right? They went to the airport, hopped on a plane, and flew. They got city transit, they went. You know what? No. The average person walked everywhere they went. If you were rich, you could own a donkey. If you were wealthier, you could own a camel. You could own different things like that. Please understand, Joseph was poor. All the pictures you see of Mary riding, you know, the donkey on the way to Bethlehem. Nowhere can you find that in the Bible. Nowhere. 70-mile journey through treacherous land. There, There wasn't a Motel 6, we leave the light on for you. There wasn't a Holiday Inn, your breakfast is on us. There wasn't anything like that, no gas stations, no rest areas. If you needed a rest, you just laid down on the side of the road. Mary is expecting the Christ child. She's about nine months along at this point. They have to make a 70-mile journey to Bethlehem. I remember what it was like for my wife when she was about nine months along. She wasn't taking no 70-mile track. Lord have mercy, she wasn't taking a five-mile track. It was everything we could do to just get things done. You know what I mean, ladies? It's tough. You're in a very bad spot in your life at that time. Two humans. And Mary's at the point. She's about to give birth. Joseph says, Mary, Mary, we got to go. We have to go. But Mary, we got to do this right because, Mary, remember, you're expecting. And, you know, all the people around us, they think we're crazy because of the story that, that we've told that, you know, you're expecting it's from God. And they might kill us, Mary, but we have to go. But God, here's the cool thing. God's plan was going to work no matter what because it's God's plan. We don't know how it works, but we know it works. And they set out on that journey. And they set out across that trek of country, 70-mile journey. This trip was part of the Bible prophecy. Nothing was going to interfere with the plans God had made in bringing his son forth. In Luke chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says this. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his spouse wife, being great with child. In verse 6. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. They make it to Bethlehem. They get there. Why Bethlehem? Because it had been prophesied of Bethlehem. In Micah 5, 2, it says, But thou, Bethlehem, Euphrata, uh, thou 
uh, be little among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of these shall he come forth unto me, that is the ruler of Israel, whose going forth had been from old and from everlasting. It was prophesied the Savior would come. Prophesied that he would be born. All the planning, all the efforts, all the detail, and all the care God put forth into his son Jesus' birth was for one single purpose. Generosity to all mankind. Generosity to all mankind. You see, because of sin and the fall of Adam and Eve, God had to send a Savior to save the world. It was through his son Jesus he did that. He sent him to be born of a virgin. When you talk about generosity, God reached down to every human being that was going to be born, that was born, everyone. He said, I have generosity to you. I give you my son. You look at the journey. Mary and Martha got on that journey. By accepting God's plan for their life. All their dreams were changed. All their future was changed. Everything they probably set aside and worked for, everything was changed. To follow God. Hmm. Their act of generosity to give it all up for following him is more important than collecting all the wealth they could have ever collected. The question I ask you today, where are you at on your journey? All of us are on a journey. Are you following God in your journey? Because it's all about the big E. It's all about the big E, eternity. Every breath you breathe, every time you wake up every morning, it's all about eternity. Because please understand this, when you leave this life, you take nothing with you. All the hopes, all the dreams that you have can be shattered in a moment. Nothing matters in time but eternity. You see, that's how we need to look at life. It's not about, man, I can't wait for this. And that's awesome and that's great. But the ultimate goal is I can't wait to see Jesus. What are we doing for eternity? Mary Mary and Joseph gave up everything. For eternity. Making a lasting impact. For generations to come. See we've all heard the story. We know what happens. But the reality is. Mary and Joseph. Gave up. Everything. For eternity. What are we willing to do. To get on the journey. In our own lives. What are we willing to do. To say, okay, God, I'm willing. Where are you at? The generosity God offers is a salvation to all mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, anybody, believes in me shall not perish, but of everlasting life. If you look at the next verse, it said, he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But it's your choice. It's your journey. Every head bowed and every eye closed today. As we think of the Christmas spirit and we think of the